Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Hardware Podcast. My name is Jackson Danner alongside my good friend Omar Borja. Today we are going to be going back to our roots, so to speak, as a college football awards podcast and talking about and previewing the Heisman Trophy as the ceremony is this weekend following the conclusion of the Army-Navy game. But Omar, first of all, how you doing, man? How you feel about these bowl matchups and uh, what are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. There's a lot of good bowl matchups. I know um, this bowl season will be the winter of bowls for the Borja family. Uh, you know, we're going to three bowl games this year throughout the Southwest and, well, the Pacific West, um, too. But, you know, it, it, it should be a fun time seeing these matchups. Uh, and, I mean, talk about starting the bowl season with a bang. I feel like every single year from now on, like ESPN has something great going with the Cure Bowl where it's like on the on the opening opening night, opening Friday night of bowl season, where you just have amazing matchups. Like last year was Coastal Carolina versus Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois being the MAC champion. That game did not disappoint as as a, there was just not enough time on the clock for for Northern Illinois last year. This year we have, I mean, the closest thing to a near six within the group of five, uh, where you have a UTSA Conference USA champion, 11 t eleven game winner, and Troy Conference or sorry Sun Belt champion, eleven game winner playing each other so i mean just some great matchups like that and you can find something you like out of every single one of these matchups and that's what makes bowl season so beautiful absolutely man no as a as a florida fan i am i am repping my uh my uh srs distribution las vegas pole hoodie that i recently got off of ebay so uh so excited for that and to get a good win over oregon state um so we uh, it's if you're interested, like we are, Omar, in, in both the all-star games, starting obviously with the HBCU Pigskin Showdown, uh, and then you're into bowl season, and it doesn't matter who's playing and what bowl, you always watch those. And then you're also got a, a vested interest in the National Football League. December 17th is a pretty busy day on your calendar. Um, so you've got, you've got a lot going on that day, which I know I do too. It's going to be, you know, morning to, to dawn in football. Um, so I'm, I'm our dawn to dusk rather in football, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for all of this celebration bowl also that day. Um, so a lot of things going on, but, uh, this weekend, obviously we have, you know, college game day in the morning, right? You're probably, you might sleep in a little bit as you're recovering from that, that 10 30 Eastern time kick in the FCS playoffs. Then you've got, uh, I believe the first game of, are the, a one of two games on Saturday, Holy Cross and South Dakota State. That's going to be a huge one kicking off at noon. Army Navy at 3.30 and the Heisman at night. So another, uh, man, some busy Saturdays coming up here for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, at all levels of college football, um, you have, I don't think you have the NAI, uh, NAI, excuse me, any NAIA playoffs as well, because that championship game is next week. So I think the teams have a bye. Uh, but you have D3, D2, as well as, you know, we'll talk about later on some really great football, some really great players that you'll see in all-star games, um, later on, but it's, it's, it's a great week. It's not as full of slate, but there's impactful football being played on all levels. And that's all we can ask for. Absolutely, man. Well, we'll go ahead and go into our main portion of the program, uh, going over the Heisman finalists. Obviously they've been announced in case you live under a rock. It's Max Duggan and the quarterback of TCU. Stetson Bennett, the quarterback of Georgia, Caleb Williams, the quarterback of USC, and C.J. Stroud, the quarterback of Ohio State. Uh, Omar, I thought we kind of touch on all of these candidates, give both our prediction, and then also who we think is most deserving. 
Yeah, sounds good. And I mean, this is one of the more intriguing. I think it's some one of the more intriguing yet also frustrating Heisman races because we don't know who's going to who's going to win. And there are some injury shortened seasons that really could have taken this award, you know, so I think this is really <laughs> no. a whole come year for the Heisman. Yeah. And, and Blake Corm. like my heart breaks so much for Blake Corm being a being an old school running back guy. Like it's uh, it's going to be hard for me to live to to live this one down for a while. Like honestly, until another running back wins a Heisman, I'll be lamenting uh, Blake Corm's injury versus Ohio State. But yeah, like, yeah. And what do we always say about Kenneth Walker, Omar? We always say that if Ohio State hadn't happened, we think it's a legitimate shot that he's he's a Heisman finalist. Um, Blake Corum, man, he they took care of Michigan, or they took care of Ohio State. There was no, they're an undefeated team. There, there's no bad spot on the resume except for the fact that he's injured. That is quite literally the only reason that he's not here, um, or at least. He deserves to be there. I, I I don't want to promise on anyone's behalf that he would have been there without the injury, but it, it's a much more likely scenario, right? You're not going to be a running back that wins the Heisman or is even a finalist if you're injured going into a conference championship week. So Blake Corum and then Hendon Hooker too. Um, Stetson Bennett isn't even the best quarterback in the SEC. I, I think he's he's fourth or fifth in all honesty. Um, so I, I, I don't know how he found his way to New York. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but Omar, we'll go ahead and start with Max Duggan. What are your impressions of him? And, uh, how do you think it could turn out for him in New York? So I have Max Duggan, uh, in second in the Heisman race right now, um, because he had a very good performance against Kansas state. They didn't pull out the win, but realistically, like that was the game that TCU, like, and, and of course, like how it ended up. That's a game that TCU, you know, had to give like that. That was a game that they had in their chamber that they could lose with them being 12 and on the regular season. Duggan's a good dual threat, which is what you look for typically in, uh, in your Heisman Heisman finalist type quarterbacks, Bryce Young being the exception to the rule and Mac Jones, which right, which Bryce Young having a, like not a good year running the ball last year. Same thing with Mac Jones, uh, the year prior uh, being a finalist, but I mean, Duggan, pretty much willed that game into overtime. Uh, I think he's got uh, a pretty solid Heisman moment compared to everyone else. He's got the the game-winning the game winning drive against Baylor that pretty much saved TCU's season. Um, I don't think a guy like C.J. Stroud has a moment like that, nor Stetson Bennett, even though one can say that Stetson Bennett's game against uh, against LSU could probably be a Heisman moment. But uh, I'm, say, I'm saying some could, some could, but – I got Duggan in second. I I just think his stats are so dwarfed by by Caleb Williams that uh, and I guess this is spoiling my rankings, but uh, that Caleb Williams does um, ta- that Caleb Williams does take with Max Duggan coming in second. I, I just think also too, I think I'd take Duggan over Stroud because of the recency bias, um, because of course Stroud didn't play a game in Championship Weekend, and and voters' last memory of Stroud is of course. The uh, it wasn't a bad game by any stretch of the imagination against Michigan, but the game where a game where Stroud, I guess, you know, made 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 some mistakes that put Michigan put Ohio State out of it. I don't think Ohio State lost that game because of C.J. Stroud, but they certainly didn't come close to winning it because of him either. Um, as far as Max Duggan is concerned, man, my impression, of course, you mentioned the Baylor drive, right? And that was a phenomenal one as well. My biggest impression of him, probably one of my 
most memorable moments of the 2022 college football season is going to be that last, our next to last drive in the Big 12 championship. I, I think maybe he deserves it off of that drive alone, man, just seeing the way he put the team on his back. And of course it fell short. I just want to say on the losing play, they, they took the ball out of Max's hands, which is something that I think should be considered. Um, but man, TCU had an objectively successful season this year, right? They made the college football playoff. They didn't just sneak in as a four. They're they're in that number three spot. Um, I think you take Max Duggan out of TCU. I don't think they have even close to the same season that they have had. I say that with no offense to Chandler Morris, the backup for TCU, but I, I just don't think they have the emotional, dramatic victories like they have had without Max Duggan. So I have Max coming in second. I think he's I think that is the proper place for him. Um, as tempted as I am to, to put him first, if I had a vote, I, I can't do that in it's tough, man. It's it's a lot. It's a lot closer than a, a lot of firsts and seconds for Heisman's have been uh, in in the recent past. So, um, but I love Max, man. I'm I'm excited to see uh, how he finishes out the year. And I'm excited to see uh, him at the next level as well. Yeah. So I mean, this this Heisman voting kind of reminds me of like the 2001 Heisman race, where it's like, mm-hmm. again, there really was not anyone really, you know, eye popping in the game. I mean, the Heisman award. Heisman Trophy ended up going to an option quarterback. Nothing against Eric Crouch, but not only was he an option quarterback, but Nebraska's last game of the regular season was a loss. So we could have that reality where, like, you know, whether it be C.J. Stroud or Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner's last game, or heck, Max Duggan, the, the Heisman Trophy winner's last game comes off of a loss, which is, like, not ideal. And, I mean, but – yeah, it's just it's just really it's just really unique, honestly. It's it's a really kind of black year. Well, that's a very likely scenario since three of the four Heisman finalists are coming off of losses, right? So I think that's something to take note. I'm interested to see do Heisman voters take it by its literal definition of who is the best player in college football, which is not how we've always seen the voting gone. Or is it more by by process of elimination of who shouldn't win it? And in that case, Stetson Bennett wins it in a heartbeat. Um, so I'm I'm very curious to see what I almost said the committee what Heisman voters' logic is with that. Um, I think that'll be very telling, not necessarily in who wins, but in in the order in which it comes in um for two through four i mean we'll go ahead and move on to the second candidate stetson bennett obviously the quarterback from georgia uh omar what are your impressions on stetson bennett no one watches more sec football than you so i'm really gonna trust your opinion on this <laughs> wow when i think about it i think the most sec football i've watched this year was uh texas a&m umass honestly <laughs> now that i think about it um, I haven't watched Georgia all year because, frankly, I just I just don't think the SEC has good parity. I mean, I did watch end of LSU Bama, and then I did watch I didn't watch SEC title game, but I did watch um, LS parts of LSU A and M. Um, you know, while I was waiting at the airport after the Bayou Classic. But um, yeah, I think with Stetson Bennett is um, like you say, like I, I mean, if he wins it, I mean, it would be the best player in the best team, our best quarterback, or quarterback on the best team, argument of the highest, which is not. Which is what the Heisman's become, sadly. Nothing against Stetson Bennett. The story's amazing, honestly. And his progression as a player is just so amazing, you know, where it's actually where instead of, like, leaning on the run game, like, 
you know, like you would have in 2020 when Stetson Bennett wrestled the job away from uh, from J- from JT Daniels. Like you can actually put the game in Stetson Bennett's hands, um, and and he'll do good for you. But I just I just don't think um, I I just think the perception of Georgia, like we talked about it last week, it's a Ken Dorsey effect where it's like there's so much talent around around Stetson Bennett that. He's not really seen as an X factor. The same thing with Ken Dorsey. There's so much talent around Ken Dorsey on that 2001 and the 2002 Miami team where it's like, you know, is Ken Dorsey even the best player on Miami type of thing? Um, so, I mean, Stetson Bennett, I would say, I would say if he had a Heisman moment, it would be the SEC title game, you know, where it's just like where they just dominated, put up the most points or second most points all season against LSU high scoring game. I mean, that's that's what I think his highest moment would be just that entire game, but again, I think Stetson Bennett ends up being fourth in the Heisman race. Um just cuz there's just so much athletes around him honestly and it's like I, I look at a lot of these games, maybe maybe the Missouri game is one where he had to put the like where he had to put the game in his hands. Um but even at the end of Missouri, he struggled. He went 24-43. Uh, had 300 yards, but you know that that completion percentage is, is a bit low. So, but yeah, I mean, I I just don't think the game was in Stetson's hands enough, except for that Missouri game. Honestly, man, I think Stetson Bennett falls falls in next in line in those those great NFL uh, UGA made quarterbacks like like Quincy Carter and and David Green and Aaron Murray and a. Uh, and Jake Fromm and DJ Shockley, man, just those what guys. About Matthew Stafford? You missed one. What about yeah, Matthew Stafford? That, one. that was the only valid one, so I wanted to leave it out. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, definitely. In all honesty, man, um, I, I think Stetson isn't the best player on the team, much less in college football. Um, I there was this stat that I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen that he's the same age as Lamar Jackson, perhaps even more shocking. Omar Stetson Bennett is three years younger than Jameis Winston. If that doesn't put it into perspective, I don't, I don't think anything well, man. Um, he, he's older, like he is uh, like an older guy playing a, a, around a bunch of five stars in a program that that doesn't see the toughest schedule. Um, and I just, I just don't think it's deserving, man. If it truly goes to the best player in college football and not, not the best player, Omar, the, the quarterback of the best team, which is what it's become more often than not. Um, then I, I kind of lose a little bit of faith in the, the Heisman voters in this. So, um, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, I think if, if the voting was left to, uh, NFL general managers or scouts or whatnot, um, people who actually watch the all 22 on these quarterbacks and these players, I don't think that, uh, that Stetson Bennett would be anywhere near the top of the voting. So that's my opinion. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I agree. I don't think he'll be near the top. I mean, he just has a lot of weapons and he's had a really good season, 3,400 yards. That's gotta be like, Oh, I'm not denying this. Had a good season, but um, and that Heisman moment, by the way, absolutely would be the LSU game, but the, the mic drop moment there. But um, as opposed to, you know, I don't know, man. I, I don't think Stetson should win it. But um, moving on to uh, our next candidate, Caleb Williams, the quarterback from USC. Um, Omar, I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts and I'll give mine. Yeah, so I think Caleb Williams ends up winning it because his stats dwarf everyone's like, if we're looking at quarterbacks, if we're looking at quarterbacks, all power five quarterbacks, then I think stats should be the, the tiebreaker. Essentially, his stats are superior to Stroud's, Course Duggins, and Bennett's. I mean, 
Like Caleb Williams, too, he's done it on the ground a lot as well, even more than Max Duggan has, uh, I believe. Actually, let me verify that before I put out some falsehoods. Uh, okay, he has 30 less rushing yards than um, than Max Duggan. He has 10 rushing touchdowns to Max Duggan, six touchdowns. Uh, I think Williams, you know, it's the same thing. It's kind of the same thing with uh, with with Stetson Bennett, I think, in a way where, where you know, um, USC had a ton of talent. Of course, Jordan Addison – Going to going from Pitt to USC, of course, Travis Dye going from Oregon to USC, all those guys entering the transfer portal and just all the talent for USC. But it's just like Caleb Williams. I mean, you look at I think you just look at Caleb Williams, like what you were USC was a year before without or without Caleb Williams and where they are now, where USC was five and seven last year, not making a bowl. And now they went 11 and two in the Cotton Bowl this year with Caleb Williams and company. Uh, I don't think that happens without Caleb Williams. Uh, don't get me wrong. You can stick any quarterback in that system. They be they do well. But I'm not sure if they would be able to, you know, amass 11 wins like they did this year. Kind of the same thing with Max Duggan to a lesser extent. Um, but I think Williams' stats are just so superior that I think in this year, the stats are the tiebreaker. I don't think it's, like, best quarterback on the best team because if we're best quarterback in the best team, it would be Stetson Bennett or J.J. McCarthy winning the Heisman. Um I just I so I I got to go with Caleb Williams and both Caleb Caleb Williams game style his play style it it's kind of lends itself to uh to Heisman voters I think it kind of I kind of like meant I guess uh, bodes well for Heisman voters it's it's exciting like I remember watching it watching him play against Arizona that man just does not throw checkdowns you know he scrambles and scrambles and keeps the play going throws deep I mean he's an exciting player like he's pretty much what the Heisman has become nowadays so. I think Williams wins it all, but we'll see if I'm wrong come Saturday. I want to put this out. Um, one more thing about Stetson Bennett that I forgot to mention that um, there, there's few people that I trust more in sports media than Jim Nagy, the director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, he has Stetson Bennett as an undrafted free agent. Um, so that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, which I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think at best he's a day three guy. Um, I just, I just don't foresee it working out. But anyways, with Caleb Williams, um, which is what, what we are talking about in, in this block, um, it, if we give the Heisman based on definition, right, the best player in college football, in my opinion, the award does deserve to go to Caleb. Um, he does things that just look like they should be impossible. Uh, he is the most athletic quarterback in the nation, in my opinion. I think Anthony Richardson is, is close behind him, but Lincoln Riley has, has produced some great quarterbacks. You think of Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, obviously all these guys helped in the, the development of Jalen Hurts, who has had a phenomenal year in the National Football League. And, and Caleb Williams is next in line in those, right? Uh, Caleb is a phenomenal athlete. He can write whatever he wants on his fingernails. He 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 deserves it. So um I think the award should go to Caleb, in my opinion. Um, but we'll we'll get into that next. So, uh, lastly, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio Ohio State. Omar, your thoughts? Yeah, so C.J. Stroud's had an amazing season, and like I said, I think either last week or the week the week before that, C.J. Stroud does not deserve to have the season defined by one game in a game that he per- he didn't really play bad in. Honestly, that you know, frankly, Michigan just outplayed Ohio State. But Stroud's had a great year. He's definitely more of a pocket passer, and that hurts him a lot in a, in, in a I guess, in a finals group that has mobile quarterbacks like Max Duggan and Caleb Williams. So he is hurt by that. I think the thing that also hurts C.J. Stroud is 
while one game doesn't define a season, he, he I mean, I think the game against Northwestern too kind of hurts his bid for the Heisman, I think, as well. Even though that game was played in just outrageous conditions, Northwestern was a one it was a one eleven team and he did only have 76 yards against Northwestern, you know. So whether conditions or not, you know, it's it's 76 yards versus Northwestern. Uh, not really the best game, but again, I think Stroud's just hurt by, you know, his lack of a quarterback run game, only 74 rushing yards, uh, the least out of the four finalists. Um, and of course, 35 attempts, not counting sacks. He was sacked eight times this year. So he really only had 27 rush attempts the whole year, which I think is mind blowing in this day and age. He's a super talented quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I just think in this day and age with, uh, you know, dual threat quarterbacks being pretty much everywhere. I, I just think Stroud's game is kind of like I guess you know the least the least voter friendly of all of all highs of all the Heisman finalists, and I think he ends up in third, still above Stetson Bennett, but I think he ends up in third in the in the race. Um, like I said, just due to lack of mobility and just like a poor game against Northwestern, honestly. Um, and that really was his only poor game, but just the fact with how bad Northwestern was this year that you know, it's kind of hurts him. I I think C.J. Stroud. I think voters are going to be hesitant to give it to someone regardless of talent level who is 0-2 against their biggest rival and has an, an NFL wide receiver room around them. Um, I think I think people just can't get past that, and I'm not saying C.J. Stroud deserves to win it, but C.J. Stroud, let's face it, he's 0-2 against Michigan. Neither one has been pretty. At least the first one was on the road. Um, and CJ Stroud has legitimately like we, we joke about like Tua had a better receiver room at Bama than he did in Miami for a while, but it was true. And I think like that could be the case at Ohio State. It's it's TBD on how Marvin Harrison Jr. and and Jackson and everyone will will turn out in the NFL. But man, like he has some like weapons to throw to that obviously make him look good. So um, I think that's going to be tough. If he comes back for another year, which is a huge if, I think it's unlikely. Expect kind of like I'll I'll point to like 1997 Florida Tennessee vibes with with Peyton Manning coming back to try and beat Florida one last time. It was at the time the biggest rivalry, right, um, for both those schools. So um, I I would be interested to see if CJ comes back. It's going to be I think in in large part that he wants to go out beating Michigan. So I think that'll be a very interesting storyline next year. Um, I, I Same thing. I see CJ Stroud finishing third. I wouldn't be shocked if he finished last in voting or fourth. I guess I shouldn't say last, but, um, but Omar will kind of use that to segue into what do you think will be the, uh, the final results? Um, I think Caleb Williams won, Duggan two, uh, Stroud three and uh, Bennett four for just the reasons I outlined. I do think Williams ultimately wins it. And I think he's helped by the fact that, like we said, three out of the four camp finalists are ending their season on a loss. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I have the ranking shaking out. Well, that was anticlimactic because I've got the exact same uh, finish there. I think it helps that Caleb Williams um, was was injured. I think that can at least – I think Utah wins that game regardless, but at least it's a question mark in voters' minds. Um, so you can't put it all. And also, I, I mean, like it kind of helps that that game was on Friday night, right? You had like a, a whole college football Saturday in front of you to, you know, kind of help you forget about that. So probably not if you're a USC or Utah fan, but I think everyone else kind of shoved that in the back of their minds. So 
I think that certainly helps uh, Caleb Williams. Max Duggan, I think, is going to come in second place uh, in large part due, his, due to his performance against Kansas State in the fourth quarter. Oh, that was just one of the most phenomenal games I've ever seen individually by a quarterback. Um, and then C.J. Stroud, I would rather have C.J. Stroud enter day, any day as my quarterback over Stetson Bennett. Um, and then Stetson Bennett, by process of elimination, would be in that fourth place. So, Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, too, with it being a Friday night game. You know, I, I mean, and it also could work against him where it's like, again, like network TV on Fox, the only, well, one of two games on TV if you're watching the, the UTSA WKU game, um, you know. But yeah, what do you think Heisman voters were watching, Omar? Frank Harris. Frank (laughs) Harris, baby. No, I'm just kidding. Frank Harris is amazing. But unfortunately, I don't think all Heisman voters were watching were watching Frank Harris, which they should, you know, but um, but yeah, no, I got it. I got to agree. But uh, but yeah, um, that's that's a good point, too, that we're just, you know, that recency, you know, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, I got I got a strong feeling that, you know, both of us will be, you know, will be very very spot not all the way spot on but you know very close i think at the very least popular to contrary are popular to to are contrary to popular belief my apologies um there are five games this weekend in the the d1 level and then even more if you go beyond that omar uh we'll go ahead and i want to touch briefly on some of these friday night fcs playoff games sanford at north dakota state obviously major injury news coming out of north dakota state and fargo i just want to get your thoughts on that matchup yeah so i mean north dakota state's had a bit of a down year this year i mean they weren't the top seed that going to south dakota state uh, so not top seeds. They have a bit of a tougher path to make the the to make the the final out there in Frisco, Texas, and it starts here, of course, with Sanford going going ten and one in the regular season, uh, in the SoCon, and their only loss was a thirty three to nothing loss to Georgia. And to be honest with you, that game against Georgia, I mean, they jumped out to a thirty nothing lead at halftime, but you know, only scored three points in the second half. I mean, I th- I think uh I think uh, Georgia let off the dogs early since uh Sanford's coach is a former assistant of Kirby Smarts. But nonetheless, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, last year from last year that Sanford loves to loves to throw the ball. Liam Welch, Montreal, Washington. I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure they're in your worst nightmares. That's no different here is Michael Hires as um, 3,300 passing yards. So I do think that contrast of styles may kind of uh, may I guess may uh, either get them this week in, against Sanford or next week. Uh, Cause I think the bracket has them playing Sacramento state, the winner of Sacramento state versus uh, I think it's Southeastern Louisiana. Uh, let me check. Um, Sacramento state versus incarnate ward. So you have three teams that play just a brand of football that, you know, throws the ball around, you know, a wide open style football, one that you don't really see in the, in the Mount, in the Missouri Valley football conference. So yeah, I mean, I I think I think they're on upset alert for sure in this one. Definitely, man. Any year that you can see, if you're if you think there's no parity in in the FBS, just watch a little FCS football, man. And and uh, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, or not South Dakota State, North Dakota State, man, always at the top. Um, so yeah, like you said, they already had a little bit of a tougher path going into it. And then the, the injury news and all of that, that they've been barred with certainly isn't going to help. Um, William and, and Mary at Montana state and then incarnate word at Sacramento state, uh, the other two Friday night matchups, Omar, your thoughts. 
Yeah, so William and Mary, great defense. John Pius is a is one of the top three finalists for the Buck Buchanan Awards. So you know they're they're gonna come strong. Same thing, Montana State. Montana State game day went to the Brawl of the Wild. Uh, and Montana State's got a great defense. That one should be low scoring. Uh, I believe that that game, I think Montana State does have the higher seed in that game. So, yeah, it is a late Friday game. So dealing with the cold out there is going to be such an issue with it being a night game in Montana. That like that's going to be such a huge, a huge home field advantage. And I'm not sure if William Mary overcomes that, you know. Uh, but it should be a close game. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, I think it'll be close defensive struggle, just the way that both teams play, just the way that both teams, play, I guess, hang their hat. Even though Montana State's had a bit of a downer on defense, allowing 27 points per game, I think that home field advantage is going to be too much. I mean, player to watch in that one, of course, is Tommy Malott, who, along with Matthew Sluka, is one of only two FCS quarterbacks with uh, 1,000 rush yards. So Tommy Malott on a Friday night should be pretty electric. Absolutely, man. We'll go ahead and go into our lone Saturday matchup in the FCS Holy Cross at South Dakota State. Yeah, so Holy Cross at South Dakota State. That one, so that one's a rematch of, excuse me, playoff game in the 2021 spring season, which of course it did not go Holy Cross's way. Uh, of course, this Holy Cross team is way be- is way more improved. But again, I just think it, I think it's the same thing as well. Like just come in, come out. Uh, play 12 Eastern in South Dakota State in that cold. It's cold, of course, in Worcester, Massachusetts. I lived it for 10 years, but it's not it's not as cold as it is in South Dakota. I just think that that the um, that the the weather is going to play a factor uh, both for both games in in North Dakota State and um, in Sam or yeah, North Dakota State. Sorry, not North Dakota State. Montana State, William and Mary, and then and then Holy Cross, South Dakota State. After that, when South Dakota State plays tough defense, um, but it's just like the same type of makeup of that team where you got Mark Granowski throwing the ball well. You know, Isaiah Davis still is running the ball very well. Uh, Holy Cross will have to play a near perfect game, I think, in that one. Uh, we did miss Incarnate Word versus uh, Sacramento State. Uh, you talk about a contrast of styles. You have Lindsey Scott for Incarnate Word throwing uh, 55 touchdown passes. Pretty darn unbelievable. Uh, and then you have Sacramento State averaging about 200 yards per game passing, but 240 yards on the game on the ground. Uh, that one's the other Friday night game. So uh, intriguing contrast of styles. I, I just got to think that uh, Incarnate Word, you know, they're just so explosive. And it's 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 just been hard to stop them all year that Incarnate Word takes that one. So that's all the FCS, uh, I guess, um, semifinal game or quarterfinals for the week, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And then I believe there's one game in the FBS. Tell me if you're familiar or not um, going on. I, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, so it's sorry, Navy game, of course. Of I think, course, I think we've both been to a couple, so you tell yeah. me. Um, three Eastern CBS, and this one, this one will be the first one since, I think, 2011, where neither team is bowl eligible. So that kind of puts a damper on this game. I mean, it's always a great game. Don't get me wrong, but again, there's kind of a there's kind of a there, at least for me, there's kind of a pall, a dark pall around over my head, just with the because we're we're about two game two plays, yeah, we're like two or three plays away from being a seven and four team, for sure. So that hurts a lot. We should be playing in Shreveport against Houston, um, but you know it is what it is. So with that one, I. I expect another low-scoring Army-Navy game because Navy has one of the top-ranked uh, Russian defenses in the country, allowing, I think, 84 yards per game on the ground. The breakout star on that defense, we're, I mean, it's amazing. If you, if you, if I told you 
it, all the way in August that the pass rusher we would be talking about ahead of Army Navy would have been John Marshall. I think everyone would have looked at me crazy because of the hype that Andre Carter got, especially from Mel Kiper being number 14 on Mel Kiper's big board. But Carter's had a bit of a quiet season, seven TFLs, I think only three and a half sacks. But John Marshall, um, I think arguably, I, I don't know if he if he if he did not, if he didn't win uh AAC defensive player of the year, American Conference player of the defensive player of the year, he should have. Uh, I'm gonna look that up really quick. I don't think they have it awarded, do they? Oh, Ivan Pace. Ivan Pace won it. Okay. Ivan Pace won American Defensive Player of the Year. So I'm sure John Marshall was a close second because Marshall has 18 TFL, 18 half TFLs, 10 half sacks, and he had four sacks against UCF in that upset win. Navy's trending upward. Uh their their run game's clicking, you know. The past couple of years, Navy's run game's kind of been, you know, here and there, kind of kind of mediocre, but it's clicking of late. They got a strong inside run game. As for Army, Army's defense. I mean, they're they're not as strong as in other years, but they're not weak per se. 23 points per game on defense. The rush defense is a concern. They're allowing 193 and a half yards per game on the ground. So, of course, that's a concern playing a triple option team. Uh, it's a team effort on offense. You have three quarterbacks gaining significant action. Tyre, Tyler, Cade Ballard, and Jamel Jones. You have two fullbacks in Jacoby Buchanan and Tyson Riley. Uh, combining for over 700 yards, Tyre Tyler, Tyre Tyler, excuse me, leading, leading the team in rushing with 600 yards. So, uh, you know, this game seems like a toss up this year, but I, I got Army. Honestly, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a very low scoring game. I got it 14 10 Army, but um, yeah, is that because of defense. excellent defense or is that because uh, just a, abysmal offense? I think it's, uh, I think it's great, I think it's great, uh, great defenses. I, that's what I think it is. I think it's great defenses. Um, kind of like Georgia's standout performance against Florida in the 2015 uh, Florida-Georgia game, you know, where they, they held that vaunted Treyon Harris offense to uh, to three points. So that that's what I think it is, you know. I gotcha. I gotcha. No, definitely. I, uh, I, I'll i be honest, I don't have an informed opinion on either team. I haven't watch, watched much Army football. I haven't watched much Navy football. Uh, so I'll, I'll trust your opinion on that. We'll, we'll see, obviously, uh, who ends up winning that one. Um, Omar, I understand we do have some D2 uh, and as well and some D3 matchups this weekend. What's going on with those? Yeah, so if you have a if you have a two TV setup, two screen setup this weekend, um, like like I will, you're gonna want to. Believe both for, of us do. Yeah, we do. But the second screen's going off during Army Navy. I will say that. Um, but you're gonna want to keep both screens on just because it's our it's Army Navy and uh, I guess it's Army Navy Week in FBS. I will say, FCS Omar, games. that is not true. It will be on during Army Navy because you can get the Sky Cam, which is very helpful in these offenses. By the way. On CBS on the CBS Sports mobile app, so just saying you can get that a permanent sky cam and then you know screencast it to the second TV. So I would rather not. <laughs> I think I think, okay, I think we both know who I am. I, I would <laughs> I would rather not. I do. You know I enjoy the the finer elements of a, of, a, of a college football broadcast. Um, but you know we're we're, we're different in, in that aspect. But uh. Beginning with these games, uh, I don't have the times exactly, but all these games can be seen. Actually, let me pull those up. All these games for the Division Three level can be pulled up on ESPN Plus and the Division Two level, actually, too, for that matter. So starting off with, let me pull up the TV schedule. I have the stats ready. 
Starting off with Wartburg versus Mountain Union. Everyone knows about Mountain Union. Of course, Pierre Garcon is a great alumni, uh, alumnus, excuse me, of the Mountain Union program. They've been producing players left and right. It seems like they make the Division Three title game every single year. Uh, they're, they're a power bowl. On the other hand, you couldn't, I mean, it's the complete opposite where you have Wartburg. Wartburg's making their first ever semifinals appearance against Mount Union. And honestly, these teams are just mirror images of each other. Wartburg's allowing eight points per game on defense. Mount Union's allowing seven. Wartburg's led by a strong running back in Hunter Clayson, who has 1,516 yards, 1,516 yards and 20 touchdowns. Mount Union has DeAndre Parker, who has 1,251 yards and 18 touchdowns. So, Honestly, I expect I'm not sure who's going to prevail, whether it be the defense is prevailing or the run games prevailing. It'll be intriguing to see. I, I can't say that I've watched a lot of Wartburg or Mountain Union football, but I'm excited for this one. Honestly, just looking at the two running backs, the dominant running backs. So that one's at 12 Eastern on ESPN plus or uh, the first division three semifinal. The next one at 3.30 Eastern time. This one's kind of a sexier matchup. Uh, these two teams were, were in the semifinals last year. Of course, North Central. It's North Central versus Mary Harden-Baylor. Mary Harlan Harden-Baylor won the championship last year in the in the Stag Bowl. Uh, pulling up the score for that one right now. Yeah, so Mary Harden-Baylor won the Stag Bowl last year against against North Central. So this is this is a rematch of last year's Division Three Division Three Championship. Uh last year we talked about North Central and Andrew Kaminsky who gained who earned a, a Hula Bowl uh invite and you know played played well. He got some targets in Hula Bowl, but um I, I'm I he I think he deserves a pro shot whether it be the XFL, the USFL um, and even the NFL, but a rematch of last year's title game. North Central's defense is allowing five points per game. If you didn't think these defenses could get any better in Division Three, well, they, they are because North Central's allowing five points per game. Their offense is scoring 54 points per game. Uh, they're led by Ethan Greenfield, who has 1,751 yards and 24 23 touchdowns. And they have not one, not two, but three players with over 10 rushing touchdowns in this North Central offense, just explosive like they were last year. Mary Harden Baylor ha is is allowing 14 points per game, and they're led by a strong passing game, unlike the other three teams I've mentioned, where Kyle King has 3,429 yards and 39 touchdowns for the Crusaders. So two great uh, Division three semifinals, Wartburg Mountain Union at 12, and, uh, and excuse me, lost my train of thought, North Central, Mary Harden Baylor, rematch of last year's Stag Bowl uh, at 3.30 Eastern, both on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Jackson, if you want to cut in before I, I make uh, I do the D2 previews, go right on ahead. Give me a break really quick. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. That's the that's the beautiful thing that I always love about December is on the surface. It seems like a, a these are a little bit slower, but man, really, you just get to enjoy all levels of football, man. I've said it before, you get to enjoy the NFL. There is plenty of FBS action to go around, even though it is only one game. Uh, this weekend, but you can pretty easily get into F FCS playoffs, D2, D3. And the beauty of all this, man, is that now this wasn't the case a few years ago. Now it's all on ESPN plus like it, you can put it all on on one screen and, you know, have endless action. If you have like an Apple TV or something like that, where where uh, it, it allows you to put multiple games on for ESPN plus. So not that uh, not that we get paid by ESPN or anything or Disney to, to put that uh, out there. But it's awesome, man, that we have access to this now, because I think if you're a casual fan that is not into corporate football, uh, maybe you wouldn't go to the strides of finding the, you know, the, this, the broadcast online, 
you can just do it like you would watch any other game now, which is awesome. So going on to the division two final or semifinals, you have two great, two more great games with Ferris State versus West Florida. West Florida being a household name, of course, the 2019 national champions. Uh, everyone remembers, everyone remembers uh, Austin Reed, of course, who is again transferring and just increasing his stock by the day, it seems like uh, with strong performances. But Ferris State has 14 and a half points per game, and they have the best defensive player that you've never heard of in Caleb Murphy, who had 24 and a half sacks and 36 tackles for a loss uh, across the season uh, for, for Ferris State, for the Bulldogs out there in Michigan. Michigan. Of course, West Florida, they have a strong pass game. Uh, they, well, they have a strong balance attack, I should say, not just a strong pass game, uh, but they're led by David Durden, 51 catches, 12 touchdowns, and 1,030 yards. That one should be a great game. Uh, Ferris State won the championship last year, uh, and their opponent was – look this up. There's just so much research to do here. Um, <laughs> but Ferris State won the championship last year, and they beat Valdosta State, um, a program that you know very well, Jackson. Uh, so going on to the second semifinal game, again, you have where we've mentioned so many running backs. Let's start mentioning some quarterbacks here. And you have two great quarterbacks. The Shepherd Rams are led by Tyson Badgett, who has 4,415 yards and 41 touchdowns. And in addition to that, you'll see him at 12 Eastern time on January 15th in the Hula, or it's 15th or 16th. January, whenever the Hula Bowl is, you'll see him. You'll see him on CBS Sports Network in the Hula Bowl because he has got invited to the Hula Bowl with such a strong season. And of course, Shepard's led by Ronnie Brown at running back, not that Ronnie Brown for the Dolphins in uh, the late 2000s, early 2010s. But Ronnie Brown had 1,690 yards and 82 touchdowns for Shepard Rams. And facing them is the Colorado School of Mines, who has a great quarterback of their own in John Matoka, who has 4,199 yards and 45 touchdowns. So I mean, eight great, eight great playoff games across Division Two and Division Three. Um, so I, I'm excited for it. I'll be flipping around those games, um, you know, in the early hours. These are all the games that uh, are. I would have a notebook out when you're watching these these D three games, um, and just write down some really you know good players that you see on there, and and then a few months later during Day Three of the NFL Draft, tweet them out to NFL Network for the the stump the truck segment where you can tweet in a name and see if NFL uh, media has a, uh, has highlights ready just in case they get drafted. So definitely will be uh, something to watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you're an FCF guy, right? Um, so you remember Jerdy dude, you know, uh, he's a St. John's alum for, uh, for, from Minnesota, a division. Absolutely, man. You'll see these guys. If you're into, to, um, to, you know, professional football outside of the NFL and CFL, you'll definitely see these names. So Exactly. Yeah. So uh, whether it be FCF, USFL, um, you know, XFL too, but, and, and, and of course NFL, that's ripped to the goal. Vipers, but now I've got to rep the guardians. So. Yeah. Um, so the thing with the Vipers, they don't have a stadium yet. So that's, that's a bigger issue right now. I'm not sure if you've been trying, if you've been uh, looking at the, uh, the news of the Vipers, everyone's announced their stadium, but the Vipers. So, uh, and also to their uniforms don't have Vegas on them. So they, they might not be playing in Vegas. I'm 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 switching over to the Orlando Guardians now. So I'm sorry to say. So I I was a fan of the of the New York Guardians my junior year at the academy. They've and got a I'm a fan that's hurt now. by relocation. The XFL has hurt me by relocating my favorite franchise. So I will not be a Guardians fan. Now I know how Rams fans feel. How St. Louis Rams fans feel. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. Oh my gosh. I'm man. just hurt. I'm hurt that 
The Rock would move my favorite franchise from the biggest media market in the country, a team that I went to go watch, I, a team that I rode the train and then the bus from the bus from Union from uh, from Port Authority all the way to MetLife Stadium just to see him on a weekend. You know, I am I am absolutely pissed that they would. I can go to Disney family. World and watch the Guardians though in Orlando. So with you that, what? I'm with because- those beautiful USF looking uniforms, by the way. The Citrus so. Bowl won't be rocking. The Citrus Bowl will not be rocking. MetLife was rocking when the Guardians were in New York. So I am just very angry that my team has been relocated and my voice is not heard. Yeah, well, that yeah, now you know how St. Louis fans feel, right? So definitely, man. Well, hey, that that's about it for me. Anything else before we uh, before we hop off? No, just a great weekend of football. Uh, and of course, cool. you got to say, beat Navy, go Army, beat Navy. Um, yeah, and until next time, everyone, peace, love, and soul.